Welcome to the New Habits Podcast, where executives and MVPs from Microsoft Partners discuss the Microsoft Teams application and its use in enterprises. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the New Habits Podcast. Today, we're going to continue our discussions on knowledge management. And of course, as usual, we have our delicate panel of uh, opinionists here. Uh, we have Susie, Wes, Paul, and me, Victor. So, hey, everyone, how are you? Good. Good. Thank you. So we're going to continue the discussion from, from last episode and talk about knowledge management and leading all the way into the, the big finale coming in a couple of episodes or even next one or even today uh, about Project Cortex in Microsoft 365, the, the Microsoft vision of future of knowledge management. But we want to all of you to get some background, some context, why uh, knowledge management is interesting right now, why it should, why you all should be interested in, in, in Project Cortex and, and what kind of parts uh, are building up the future of knowledge management. So first of all, uh, I think most of us in, in here and many of you listeners out there has built knowledge management solutions over the last few decades. It's, I would say, very old discipline uh, of uh, sort of trying to harvest Not your as old as you, I don't think. Uh, last few decades. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've actually been in, in a couple of decades building... I, I would, to be honest, no, knowledge management was actually one of the first solutions I started building on top of different kind of content management systems. You haven't cracked uh, it yet then? No, no, I haven't. <laughs> I I doubt I will because this knowledge management is, uh, it's not as binary uh, as uh, we, uh, as the computer world is. Uh, it's a lot of human knowledge in there. So the time might be right for that right now when we actually can get sort of more of the machine learning and AI pieces into that. But let's get back to that in a few seconds or a few minutes. So knowledge management has been a lot about bringing your sort of corporate or enterprise collective knowledge into some kind of systems. Uh, I would say a very structured way of doing that, very formal way of doing that. And uh, most of you knew that, know that that's not how the predominant part of our hum us humans actually work, right? We are not that structured and we don't uh, tend to, to put stuff in the, the, the right uh, box all the time. And, and that's, the, I would say, the biggest problem with knowledge management. We can spend thousands of hours designing the best kind of information architectures, the taxonomies, uh, to, and then implementing a process within our organization to, to, to collect that knowledge, put that into different kind of uh, taxonomies and architect information architectures and boxes, etc. Uh, and then, of course, we can use a lot of interesting search algorithms and whatnot to find information that should be relevant for me right now. But the problem with these kind of things, and that's also what research shows, that uh, they, uh, these kind of knowledge management projects has been very IT driven or very structure driven. So and only it's small portion of the actual knowledge is collected or gathered into this knowledge management solution. And I can speak from experience of the systems I use today uh, and, and systems I've built, etc. It's probably a very good design uh, if everybody followed that kind of process, etc. But we know uh, coming from the consultant business which I'm in, you go from one project to the to, to the next one, and you seldom have the time to sit down and reflect and put those kind of knowledge back into the systems and whatnot and following those processes. So, a lot of the IP, uh, a lot of the knowledge stays in my head essentially, or in the head of the employees. And I think the 
if we also take a look at the sort of the uh, different generations we have in our workforce now, everything from the baby boomers to the millennials, uh, we have a large portion of the knowledge living in the baby boomers. And, and essentially, they are leaving the, 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 the market right now. And, and they also take a lot of that knowledge with them, unfortunately. So we need to find a good way to, to, to uh, suck that information out of, uh, of uh, the baby boomers, including Paul. So, so we actually can, can get that, that information and create that kind of knowledge management. Uh, are you saying there's a market for a COBOL training class? <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and that, that's actually my point. Understanding that, that who knows what and, and that skill is super important. And I would say it's even more important now than, than ever, given the, the amount of information we have and, and, and the, the pace everything is moving. Um, and then looking at myself again, uh, I'm moving back and forth between different technologies. We we living we predominantly live in the Microsoft 365 world. So much going on all the time, right? So we but we need to to tell others about that because we are sort of the spearheads in many cases and, and looking at what's coming next. So we need to leave that information and knowledge to someone else to, to pick up what we're doing, etc. <laughs> Do you, do you think it? Do you think it's? Uh, do you think it's sort of relevant when we think about the knowledge management as a as a discipline to consider the sort of time time view? Because because when I look at knowledge management and, and like you having done quite quite a few implementations over the years, knowledge management tends to have been something that was a retrospective application over over information that that was generated. So knowledge was assumed to be if we had uh, a collection of design work for a building, um, you know, we could design better car parks if we had 500 versions of a car park and we could see the knowledge that the business had created. I think it, it, it's it's quite interesting when, we, we, when we've heard, heard some of the present, um, present uh, Cortex information that's in the public domain when they talk about mining. Because for me, the the retrospective view and of knowledge and what it is and this concept of mining are very sort of over the shoulder and it would be interesting to kind of um, you know explore what what impact that has when we think about knowledge uh, absolutely and i think sort of yeah we're going into some cortex terms of the, the mining thing i want to get back to that but uh what we previously did when we designed this kind of thing uh, uh, was the fairly squared boxes, I would say. That's, that's how knowledge management worked. And, and as I said, that's not how, how we humans work, etc. And it's a lot of things that actually make sense right now. And, and uh, in my role uh, as innovation lead for the modern workplace area in Avanade, I've been looking into sort of what will happen next with AI in, in the modern workplace area. And uh, even, yeah, we super interesting to hear Microsoft announcing the Cortex and make, made a big thing about that at Ignite. But I think everything pointed to Microsoft doing that because there's a lot of interesting things happening uh, right now uh, when it comes to technology that enables us to finally do those kind of things uh, which you just mentioned, Wes, there. So uh, having that mining be more within quotes human uh, or rather than than uh, sort of that that flow chart this is how you should tag information or this is how you should should put your information in different kind of boxes i just and, wanted yeah. 
Sorry, I just, I just wanted to pick up on on exactly that notion of tags, and um, you mentioned in your uh, introduction categories. Uh, Wes had then sort of gone on to say, you know, it tends to be quite retrospective, and I think one of the most important clarifications that's ne that's needed within the knowledge management community, Microsoft and and beyond, is this notion of categorization. Um, you said that traditionally that's been done by IT teams, and I agree that's exactly as, as we've seen as well. Um, but uh, we need to, in my opinion, sort of challenge well, categories for who and to do what. Um, I met with um, uh, an old friend who works in the industry earlier in the week who told me that their IT team had developed a method by which you were unable to save a document unless you chose one of 137 categories. Um, because uh, that's, that, that was their notion of how knowledge should be managed. And quite aside from the fact that it's really quite unusable, my, my immediate thought was, well, that just sounds like um, you've, you've munched together every possible requirement for knowledge management into one solution. And if you think about the world of portals in SharePoint, you have, you have different portals for different needs. So why wouldn't you, you know, I, I do think it's important to think about categories for who and to do what. Um, the second thing connected to that is, um, where's this point around retrospective categorization? Um, I guess the question I've got is, um, why is it that we do tend to start with what we have rather than uh, starting by defining the future or the goal that we want to achieve through our content? Because um, it's all very well uh, categorizing what we've got, but it's almost a little bit like, um, I don't know, labeling everything you've got in your, your wardrobe. Why would you do that? You're surely better off kind of determining what it is you want to wear over the next six months uh, and building some categories around that instead if we want to make use of what we've already got. Um, so, so I think there are just some practices um, within the knowledge management community that, that feel quite ingrained. Um, but I think, uh, you know, the, the, the Cortex um, launched later this year in um, reinvigorated discussion around knowledge management. I hope we, we were able to, to challenge that more. Yeah, it's it's interesting that that point you bring up because with this introduction of of artificial intelligence and machine learning and some of these technologies now being so comprehensive and and, and so much better than we we we've experienced in in history of, of IT platforms, we're now we're now sort of introducing some of the concepts that are quite you know it's a bit like the physics concepts you can only go as fast as as, as physics allows in the same way that we're, we're looking at knowledge management and and there's a great danger i i feel in in introducing cognitive bias to to modeling and to mining because we, we know what we know and we know the categories and the classifications and the things we need to control but yet again majority of viewports are put against the historic so so you know our organizations going to um, almost fixate on well we have 20 years of information and we want to go and mine that information and it's going to tell them a very good story of their dna how they built themselves how they executed projects what they understand that gives them almost a cognitive bias of what they should be good at right now and in the future, rather than potentially some organizations that are going to 
be more aware of this need to balance the what we know, what we don't know, and how that influences our decision making. Because if they're looking at the future, they're going to go, well, actually, we should ignore some of this stuff because it was 25 years old. Well, and I, but I think part of the struggle is how many how many people can have that vision of the future and see where where these big picture items would go. I mean, that we run obviously this our audience and, and those on the panel think this way. That's why we're here. But in my experience, you get into people whose job they're doing their day to day job and it's hard for them to look at the future and and say, well, what, you know, how am I going to process payroll six months from now? I'm going to process it the same way yeah. I did for the last 12 years. So so there's that constant struggle. And that makes me wonder if maybe knowledge management systems would would succeed going into a departmental or team like focus first because this group of humans who are collaborating have a certain set of knowledge and that works for them and that may not apply to another team and maybe we somehow need to federate those up I, yeah obviously it's it's a, an ongoing struggle but i think that's kind of to your point where that sounds great but i, I just don't see that everybody in an organization has a big picture like uh, like uh, like you need i think that information already exists in every company because when we talk about um the the, the future i don't think we we necessarily need to know the future of payroll for in, to, to follow your example um, but I think we want to understand uh, the future of, of the business all up which is in every company's uh, you know board pack or uh, you know strategy for the oncoming year for example if we want to uh, speed up our R&D cycles or launch a new product or um, re reduce headcount or, or whatever the case may be open a new office in Shanghai uh, we can um we can build our knowledge around achieving those goals. Um, I don't think um, when we talk about knowledge management, we should we should make the assumption that it should touch every single part of the business. The payroll is a brilliant example. Um, unless one of our objectives was we, we're not paying people on time now, we need to pay people on time. I think that would be something that perhaps sat outside of the, the focus area for your knowledge management. Um, so, so I think those goals exist. What you touch upon, I think, is just absolutely at the heart of this, is that most IT projects do not align to where the business is going and supporting the businesses in getting there, quite outside of knowledge management. Think about all of the Teams rollouts or the intranet portals that we're all involved with day to day, where there's no, there seems to be no connection or very little connection um, when perhaps we first meet those companies to what the business overall is trying to do. And I know everybody in the panel, uh, Avanard and Adam in 365 clearly start from well um you know where's where's this business trying to go but i think that same principle needs to be applied to the knowledge management discussion yeah i think that's a super interesting way to think about as we said a couple of times so knowledge management is looking at the history right but true knowledge management should be to see into the future as well and, and anticipate that and up until now, that has, I would say, been almost impossible to do based on the way knowledge management systems have, have been built today. And as you said, Susie, as well, you talked about saving a document, for instance, with 150 fields. So and I'm, those kind of document management systems, I've been in those kind of discussions as well. And and the discussion we had back then, uh, should it be easy to save or easy to find? So that, that's kind of the, the thing, the, the blue pill or red pill you had to choose there. But... The, the landscape has changed somewhat over the last few years, I would say, with the introduction of AI uh, and the, the cloud compute power, that we actually can fill that gap in between there and have algorithms doing that for us. We, I would say, 
that, that this kind of machine learning piece around knowledge management has been around for, for many years. I think probably machine learning on, on the knowledge management area, in the knowledge management area has been one of the areas where they started doing machine learning and AI, but today we can do it at a good price for a de- or a decent price, etc. So that's why I think it's interesting to go back and, and one I always refer to to Gartner's hype cycle. It's interesting to look at that and and what kind of uh, different kind of technologies they put in in that right now, what will come over the next few years and and put that in relation to to knowledge management. So there's a lot of those kind of machine learning uh, algorithms in there, of course, and in in use of AI, but also how you can connect these kind of uh, items together in a smart way uh, through what they call the insight engines or all the knowledge graphs, etc., where, where you actually use uh, both telemetry and data and insights and, and combine that using natural language processing on your, your items to trying to find things. But that's, so I think that the, we had one example that with payroll, that's super interesting. That's something you do all the time. Uh, those kind of processes are extremely often repeated. So you can actually do mining on that kind of data. But what you also mentioned, Zeus, they're open in your office. That happens like every second year, perhaps. So it's not happening that often. So your AI or machine learning and mining, et cetera, will not pick up that kind of knowledge in the same way. So you still need that human interaction to, to formalize this is how we set up or do a new office, et cetera, uh, because I don't think it yet will find those, or at least those will be filtered out using today's kind of technologies when it comes to mining of data. I think it's interesting you bring up the the, the hype cycle Um you know, sort of latest versions and referring to to the, the plateau of productivity, which is the well-established end. Um, yeah, I think the, the, the most recent one was the July 2019 that you're referring to, Victor. Um, enterprise social in, is interestingly right in the f- uh, sweet spot of plateau of productivity. So, you know, Microsoft's year of Yammer being one of the many different enterprise social experiences that that um, are kind of uh, bubbling along in the background. But I remember back in uh, sort of 2012, 2013 timeframe that um, that enterprise social was was really pushed as the knowledge mining capability to to tap into the human beings within within the ecosystem. And here we are a few years later looking at the enterprise social being recognized by Gartner as being very well established, very productive. And there still is a from a from a message and a and a, a connection. You know, if you think about the Microsoft platform, that Cortex experience. Everything that we've seen thus far, you know, Yammer hasn't, and the social shows, social networking in, in, within an enterprise hasn't been a cornerstone of that experience. It hasn't been considered as part of the go-to-market um, message. It's it's all about you know the new and the the the, the AI and the machine learning, the machine taught. Um, so it, it, again, it's just a great observation of of how things that five six years ago we were pushing and pushing and being on the pinnacle, uh, you know, the innovation trigger as the the hype cycle would call, are now the the established norm. You know, an enterprise social network is 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 in many organisations of size is something very well established, used by fifty percent of the the campus of employees probably. Um, some peak above that, some peak below that, but fundamentally that social fabric is there. In small organizations, that's sort of 
maybe facilitated a bit more by teams because it's a bit more localized. Um, but but it but it was a, there's another interesting moment which I think you know when we think about the, the the information sources, the intranet as a service, the intranet in a box is dropping towards the trough of disillusionment. You know, its relevance in the hype cycle, it's about to hit rock bottom. It's going through that that moment in time. And again, it's interesting because we've got all of that mind content. Where is the mind content? Well, it's in team sites. It's in SharePoint stuff that is outside of the internet. And it, and then we've got the established social network. So so the internet, uh, again, is, is going to have to find its place i think in in a knowledge management centric world it, it's going to be a very interesting time for those that own um you know the the the, the business service of what what the internet is regardless of platform yeah and if you see internet as sort of document management or um sort of if we, we talk about the sharepoint context right now in this podcast at least so we can see the internet in the box services living there and that's the explicit knowledge that's something uh, that we document in a proper way etc uh, but what you also mentioned about the enterprise so- social that's sort of the implicit knowledge that's where the real knowledge are and if it people or enterprise has been successful with, with Yammer or Teams or any kind of enterprise social, that's where they have the knowledge. So that's essentially where we should mine the data or we haven't probably a little bit too early in, in the cortex area, but sort of when looking into the the meeting recordings and having meetings mm. on Microsoft yeah, yeah. Teams, whatnot, that's where the actual knowledge is and finding out what people are actually talking about looking into emails, uh, I would say most of my conversation or the knowledge that I should essentially hand over to to, to, to my team is in my inbox today. Uh, but then, then we go into, uh, we probably skipped this in this episode, going into scanning emails and personal emails and those kind of things. But yeah, I think it's interesting to find out, if we take a look today, what's been announced about Project Cortex, uh, and, and that is sort of looking at documents and forms, etc. And that is still only the, the explicit knowledge that we're looking into. So, yeah. I think the, the, the point you make about explicit and, and tacit knowledge is really important and something I would like to see in, in the future, certainly from Cortex. But um, I think any knowledge management uh, application is a heavier weighting towards people we consider to be experts in in any given field. You know, we could have um, 400 people in an organization with the same job title, but actually it's two or three that are absolute superstars. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking we would want to be able to almost um, you know, gold star those individuals and their content over and above uh, the, the the material that others are, are producing. But the question I had for you, Victor, um, uh, is really um, from uh, the work you've done to date, um, where you see the market is at in differentiating between content and knowledge, or to put it another way, between common myths and best practices. Because because there can be, if we rely purely on algorithms um, or, or tagging, um, there can be things that people do day to day, which they do, and it's okay, but it's certainly not our best practice. And if we think about knowledge management as our distillation of what is best, or um, you, you know, we would want to access content on any given subject matter, that is material we would consider to be really really good how how do we go about that what what um 
what would Gartner and Forrester say about that? So uh, if you take a look at what Gartner and Forrester say, they, they very much focus on the different kind of technology pieces here. And, and yes, we will do, we will be able to do amazing thing, things in a couple of years with AI and, and all the data we have. But when it comes to actually making knowledge management work uh, inside your uh, modern workplace or create a great employee experience, I think uh, we cannot only rely on systems, even if they are everything that Project Cortex uh, is promised to be, uh, even if we build the best kind of knowledge management system, without having someone or a team that actually manage, manages this. Uh, I, I usually refer to this kind of role as a librarian within your com company. There has to be those kind of individuals or uh, teams that actually work with humans, help them to gather that knowledge and understand that knowledge, even though we can do a lot of data mining. Take, for instance, your example, setting up a new office. Assume that we start mining that information. But in five years, if when we're building a new office, everything has changed in how we do that. So new env environmental factors and whatnot. So, and, and going back to the, the people with the same title and they, they got that gold star. They got that gold star seven years ago. They moved on, they do other things. They're an expert in totally different topic right now. So we still need that kind of human curation of uh, and, and sort of that human filter on top of everything. I don't I think it will be, unless we sort of yeah go into the utopia where we have an AI doing everything for us, but yeah, that's not going to happen uh, for the next few years and, and definitely not be something that's part of the Microsoft 365 service. There are, however, I would say quite a few niche players that are looking into different areas here. So if we take the project cortex without going into the features of that so that's going to be servicing microsoft 365 and it will have a microsoft approach to it it's going to fit sort of all everything everyone from smb to enterprise organizations essentially that's what they want to cover but there are a lot of niche players out there focusing on specific kind of things so going back to to the garden hype cycle and i mentioned sort of the knowledge graph there will be platform vendors that can do that uh, really good for you the natural language processing topic uh, discovery and that kind of data mining so there's quite a few vendors out there with which has either products or services that we can use to tie everything together if we want to make sort of more specific solutions or tailored solutions for our organization sometimes I don't know yet. We'll see how Cortex, how good it is and, and, and how I hope it's not too generic. And, and I know they, they're focusing on your company, your corpus of data, but I think there's a lot of room for creating interesting solutions on the side of and, and not just use Cortex, but building these kind of, well, yes, Paul. Histor historically, Microsoft has done a horizontal type of solution, right? So to your point about getting super specific, I, I would have lower expectations on that. Um, fortunately, you know, being an ISV, there's some opportunity there. But at, at, the, at the end of the day, I, I think that this is their goal. This machine learning is probably their goal to get it more specific, right? Because maybe we mm. can look at your data and, and find that information. But again, well, uh, I'm curious to see how that shakes out. Exactly. I, I agree. Yep. There's, there's going to be some there's going to be some interesting um, you, you talk about, you know, the, the, the vendors out there that do, do niche things. One of the um, fairly strong overlaps I can see coming down the down the road is those that deal in the compliance and labeling world and this technology stacks ability to inform an organization not what it thinks it's doing not what it thinks it should be doing but what it actually is doing 
Um, we worked with a, 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 a very uh, sort of aeronautically focused um, technology company a few months ago, and they, they had a they used a system of OKRs to 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 do their key performance um, metrics around their 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 delivery of the the platform they were building and and one of the things that this knowledge management and technology would would empower them to do is instead of our performance against that metric being somewhat subjective by who is responsible and and sort of saying hey yeah we are actually going to deliver that thing on time and to the right quality and within budget because we're doing all the right things it would actually be able to demonstrate well Maybe maybe there is duplication. Maybe the organization thinks it's one thing, but is actually performing as a different type of organization. And therefore, you know, compliance labeling and security controls need to be adjusted to actually what the organization does do, not what the organization is, you know, selling, not what the organization is, you know, re- regulated to do. Um, and it's going to be very um, cool to see some of those kind of um opportunity gaps get filled in the vendor space because i think for the first time we've got a technology platform now which is catching up to um not you know people fear robots replacing their jobs and i don't think that's to me that's never going to going to happen to to the degree that the, the the press would make out it's lifting everybody up they they're coming out of like the same person clicking the you know the accept button on an inbound invoice or data capture people filling out a digital form from a from a handwritten form it, it's now t- going to be able to tell us th- exactly what the organization is doing right here right now and i think from a you know think about the leaders of each each layer of an organization you know they've always relied on a cascade up and it's never bad news that goes up a chain whereas this thing is going to uh, you know warts and all skeletons in the closet are going to come out and and leaders are going to be able to make much better and 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 uh, you know, much more informed decisions, in my opinion. But I think the notion that you'll get a view of um, what's going on here and now, where it's a nice thought, in reality, to understand what's going on here and now in a business requires visibility of more than just Office 365. Uh, you know, there's going to be CRM systems, learning management systems, knowledge bases. So certainly one of the areas that I think is really exciting and a great opportunity for um, partners and practitioners is in the bringing together of the knowledge mining outputs from Cortex, but also dovetailing that with what can be gleaned from uh, additional systems to get to that almost nirvana position you're describing, whereas of knowing what's going on um, without relying on um, various people who who really want to please you to give a certain view of what's going on. Um, so I think the potential is there, but it certainly goes beyond uh, Office 365. Um, uh, Victor, well, well, but before yeah. you, before you go off on that, right? So if I'm going to use these insights from Cortex or knowledge management to make a decision about do I open a new office? And to your point about these other systems, we were mocking the payroll system, but you know what? At the end of the day, I need to know what things cost. Maybe it's it's not just payroll, but all the the hard costs and soft costs of running a line of the business. So if I'm going to be expanding on it, and and then even to the further, maybe I need external sources of data. What what are the environmental regulations to open an office in a certain place? As Victor was hinting at, that yeah, this Cortex will give me great insights to what I have yeah. in my business. But there's a lot, lot more there. So I think yeah. uh, it'll be. Uh- and to continue your example, uh, you know, 
if I was able to see how many pitches we had lost in that new market um, versus projected wins over the last six months from the CRM system, I could also make an informed decision about how many people we actually need room for versus how many people the, the commercial guy with the happy ears thinks we need room for. Um, so, so, you know, th th there are all kinds of insights that, that can be um, that can that can be gleaned, but I do think that um, where it's undoubtedly a really brilliant step forward that we've got Cortex coming and that the visibility that will give us into 365, I think, for true business um, impact at that top table level, it will it will need to sit alongside knowledge manage you know knowledge that has been managed from other applications as well. <laughs> Do you think? Do you think there'll come a there'll come a stage where um, organization? If you think about assets within an organization's value, you know, if you were a steel producer, there's obviously intrinsic value in in steel that's in a warehouse, the foundry that you've built, the people you employ, the lorries you own. Are we going to get to a point in the future where knowledge maps, knowledge graphs? the connections, the tacit knowledge that has been mined from an organization. Do you, do you ever envisage that being sold as a commodity? You know, so if you're, if you're, if you're, Business business value a good chunk of that is the actual map the the knowledge and you could say hey we you know we've we've developed this line of this line of products over ten years we've got this amazing knowledge map of all these human beings but we've also got this knowledge map of how we've worked with partners and stuff like that I'm 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 wondering whether at some point someone cottons on and goes you know what we could sell ten percent of our knowledge map for a billion dollars. But they're doing that already, isn't it? Didn't Amazon build a bunch of web services to run their retail business, and now they're selling that to other folks? Yeah. The, the logist, every logistics company in the world is selling that, right? So I think that's already happening. Yeah, no, no but I, mean, I think I, it's a very I mean good example actual, that was. Yeah, I, I mean the actual knowledge, not necessarily the platform the knowledge was run through, but I mean you know you can go along and you can buy adding 365's experience working in a particular sector and it will cost you this amount of money. I, I, I really Absolutely. I think there's a lot of untapped potential here, both yeah. in terms of ensuring that you have good value of your company if you have everything documented so it's actually not living in, in the heads of the people only because then it's easier to sort of sell it. So if we look at the sort of uh, the investment side of that, but also if you have really good mind knowledge, both mind, but also um, produced knowledge, etc. And you can sort of document that or, or share that with someone. It uh, might not be a part of your core business, but some some one-off thing you did or you did a couple of times you want to expand or sell, sell that part of your business. If you can have that in knowledge graph in some certain documented way, I think that, see, yeah, so data is sort of the, the new money, right? And that is absolutely... I think it's super interesting. Yeah, it's like it's almost like the technology platforms are now giving us a refinery that we can employ ourselves. We haven't got to, you know, put. It's a bit like going to the cloud, right? It, it, many businesses, even our own, you know, would have been quite cost prohibitive to stand up in a non-cloud fashion. You know, server in the corner, racks of this, that, and the other. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering whether this disruption in the small business market is going to happen against the enterprises because they'll be nimble. They'll be able to move through the cracks where a larger, larger vendor player is going to have to consider its existing customers and stuff like this. 
Um, so, so I think it's going to be interesting because it's it's effectively going to give uh, the whole Azure platform and cloud is giving is giving smaller vendors an opportunity to disrupt markets because they they can they can sort of leverage the the, the collective brain power that's gone behind them. And I think it's going to be quite exciting in the next few years. I think the um, one of the interesting challenges with knowledge management is how that sort of pattern of capture and understand whatever form that that's um, sort of spat back out in, uh, how that handles with systemic shifts within an organization. Um, something that strikes me as being quite difficult in seeing the uh, knowledge management piece as a bit of a holy grail um, is it, it's, it's our ability to understand when there has been a big transition or a big change in the business. Um, because if we're reliant on what our knowledge management platforms giving us that's to your point where it's going to give us a longer term view of what what's going on um you know i know it's a while ago now but if we think back to the recession of sort of 2008 and the big shock waves that sent through um uh, you know all industries uh, there's almost that panic of oh, you know you're almost trying to remember well, what do we do in a recession again uh, and i think even if you'd had perfect knowledge management at that time it wouldn't have told you what to do um or or how to behave and you know it, it I think I think it would be really interesting to hear your, your uh, collective views on how do we manage big events or big transitions or big changes within an organisation um, where we've got knowledge management that's perhaps using AI like Cortex tapping along on side. Uh, you know, if we need to suddenly change the information our people are using or the process that they're following, how do we do that? If we've developed a culture in a, in a, in a business that um, that's way of working is very, very dependent on the outputs of the, the knowledge management system. To put it another way, I guess what I'm really saying is how do we manage ongoing relevancy uh, of content? You kind of glossed over it, but it would flippingly how it spat back out, right? So I think that's the key, right? And and again, just as all humans can produce knowledge, they consume it differently as well, right? So I think that well, yeah, even, even with the perfect knowledge map, there's still a lot of work to be done to spat back out in a way that's relevant to the appropriate people at the appropriate time. And I don't know if there's ever going to be a one size fits all type of thing on that. I think that it, it's going to the, the the need the organizations will need to train their their staff not on. Oh, this is just you know, some machine that does something, but how the machine does it so that they can understand the information that's coming back out and, and parse it in a relevant way for their job or for their project or for what they're doing. So I, that's going to be the next big struggle, I think. Yeah, I think another interesting struggle here to, to when it comes to knowledge management is going back to sort of, sort of the generations I talked about previously. So people are uh, switching jobs much more often. Uh, they are... Uh, Perhaps not even they're self-employed doing projects, uh, six months there and three months there, uh, that gig economy, the vagabonds, etc. And that's where the knowledge is, right? So they bring in the knowledge to, to the next place. So how can how can these kind of new services help us preserve that knowledge that we we bring in that expert on on the, that this topic for six months because we need this project to be done? How do we get that knowledge out of him or her when when 
after that project. So can these kind of new services help us with that? What do you think? Not automatically, I would think, but I guess it gets back to Wes's retrospective point, right? So may, maybe if I if I have a, a three month project or an expert in for three months, I need to either during or after or, or you know debrief them, if you will, right, and mm -hmm. capture that data, right? Again, yeah. and, uh, and of all the things that someone would know, I, I may need an expert help on how to make a web page look pretty, but of all the things that that person knows, not not all of it is relevant to what I'm building. So. I think that uh, that's going to be a big, big thing. I think we also have to consider the content inputs, um, you know, what makes up the content in um, in our knowledge management system. Um, we uh, consider, and I think it's common practice to immediately sort of think, oh, yeah, metadata on documents, um, possibly uh categorization or tagging on conversations or SharePoint pages. Um, but I think it's worth uh, re remembering as well that um, we can have um, certain forms or applications or um, Power BI analytics scrapes at different points during projects as well to help build that more comprehensive picture so that, you know, if we look back on a project that's gone really well, even if nobody's around anymore, and yes, we've got the documents, we can also perhaps um, cross-check that with the um, sort of project management outputs. So, you know, when we were 30% of the way through the project, that really successful time, um, were we behind schedule or on schedule or ahead of schedule? Um, and so I think we do need to think, I know, I know this is a, an old fashioned word to use now, but I think we do need to think about that data cube and what's going into it um, and not just sort of consider it just uh, SharePoint and documents, but other pieces as well. To your point about payroll, which is now a running theme, um, you know, how many people from the payroll were on the project versus contractors versus how are we doing on project budget to spend um, uh, in addition to all that, all that other material. So I do think, uh, and actually that's a very gentle loop right back to the very first point I made, which is um, categories uh, of, of across our knowledge for who and to do what. You know, if you were if you were starting from the perspective of we want to run more efficient projects and have them close out on time with happy customers, um, uh, and that was the the goal for that for a particular team, you would most people would have the sense to say, well, then we need. Um, proposals, we need information, budgetary information, people information, and so on. Whereas I think um, if we do what lots of companies do, which is just ask them to pick one of 137 categories, um, it, it's virtually impossible to make something out of that that's useful. So uh, rounding this up, I have sort of, uh, unless you have something else you want to bring up here, I want one final kind of question to, to the uh, eminent panel we have here. So you mentioned it previously, Wes, so the sort of the internet in the box vendors has been here. It's going through the through trough of disillusionment, etc. Uh, will we see a knowledge management in a box kind of era coming after Cortex or piggybacking on the, 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 the Cortex uh, messaging, so to say? I hope not. And the reason I say that is that um, we, we, need to, we need to be less lazy as as an ecosystem i think knowledge management 
vendors uh, outside of the Microsoft space, as you said, that they have some very, very innovative things targeted at a very specific use set of set of use cases, and 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 they put a, a huge investment behind those capabilities to to satisfy that particular industry or or, or horizontal need, and I think the it would be a real shame to watch the Microsoft ecosystem be lazy compared with their non-Microsoft peers because, you know, in my mind, it's it's all too easy to go, oh, well, there's a Cortex API and there's a, there's a SharePoint framework. Well, let's build a Cortex web part that calls the API and does a different UI and call that our Cortex in a box offering. It's much harder and it takes much more intellectual as well as capital investment to come up with something that actually moves the game forward. And I would hope, you know, personally and, and from an industry point of view, that, that the, the Microsoft 365 ecosystem, the Microsoft partner ecosystem doesn't slip into the trap that the internet in a box uh, market created, which is everybody's got one. They're all the same. There's no real differentiation. And actually the core platform can do 99% of everything that everyone else's does anyway. So it, it's, it's, it was always quite intellectually lazy. Um, uh, and I don't, I don't think that it would, it would be just horrible. It would be horrible to think of all the people that we all know personally that have been working at Microsoft so hard to get this technology platform to production and ready for us. If we then just basically went, Hey, let's just do a new UI. It would just, I would, I would be distraught <laughs> personally. I think you're underestimating the in a box salesmen who, and sales ladies who are going to go out and convince millions of people that they can do this. So yes, we will see an in a box market because the sales people are very good at selling stuff, whether it's useful or not. I think that when we talk about in a box um, more conceptually, it means that we understand there's a pattern or an output that businesses want. It's a sign of maturity. Uh, you know, with intranets, it took probably seven years really, didn't it? From 2003 to 2010-ish to for the ecosystem to understand what the patterns were that people were after. I think um, it would be a sign of um, maturity and health and strength if the same thing happened with uh, knowledge management. Um, it couldn't be just a UI because I think the, the ecosystem is really wise to that. Um, uh, you know, the, on the internet point, we see so many people now just go out of the box because they um, are intelligent enough to, to understand that they're being sold the same thing twice. I, I guess my um, my optimal, because, uh, you know, I, I like thinking in terms of products, my optimal goal, if I were to come up with products for um, knowledge management, would be based around delivering specific use cases. So, you could go along to a customer and say, well, if your goal is to uh, retain more customers because you've got a really bad track record of that, let's work with you to define, or rather, we have a product that will suck in information from the following sources to help give you that view, I think that would be really healthy. Um, but I think we're a long way from that because there's um, there's not a great deal of standardization between organizations of where that data is today. APIs aren't there. Content isn't in a good enough state. But nonetheless, I would see that as a very healthy um, endpoint. 
Thank you and thanks to our eminent panel here, Susie, Paul, Wes, and of course myself. Uh, I think it was a great discussion. I, I love these kind of discussions. We we didn't get that much into Project Cortex now. I think that's good anyways. We can save that for later. And also, to be honest, there isn't much uh, publicly announced that we can, or there isn't enough stuff that we can actually can talk about in, in public ether so far. Uh, but there will be a lot more talk about Cortex going forward and and. and Actually, I'm super excited about knowledge management right now because I think it is in a good state. Yes, it's not going to be perfect for, for the next few years, but it's way better than and it's we have a way better positioning that we, we had for, for the last decades. Thanks all. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Thanks Bye. The New Habits Podcast is produced by Add-in365. Thank you to Victor Villain for participating. Please leave a review in iTunes along with a five-star rating. We appreciate your support. Thank you for listening.